everybody. Welcome to the X Report. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Big E, a.k.a. Ethan Tate, a.k.a. somebody I'm sure is still trying to catch their breath after the ending of Game 5 between the Grizzlies and Timberwolves. How you doing today, man? I'm doing really good. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's Game 6. I think we're going to pull it out. I really hope y'all do, and hopefully... Um, it's not a game that y'all got to come back from these deficits. Because during the game, I almost texted you about it. Because it's like, in the end, you know there's always a chance for them to come back. But it's like, dang, it takes damn near to the end of the fourth quarter for it to happen. So it's very frustrating. But it does make for some great games. Speaking of great things, it's one of my favorite times of the year. Tonight is the official start of the 2022 NFL Draft. And if you know me, you know I love draft season. So we're going to do a cool top five uh, mock draft of where we think the early picks are going to go, which I'm really excited about that. And we're also going to play a draft edition version of Believable or Buffoonery. We're also going to look at the current standings of the NBA playoffs, who's still playing round one, who's moved on to round two. And of course, we got to talk about the Nets and what the future holds for them. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out theXReport.net. I repeat, theXReport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get this bad boy started because like I said, I'm very excited for this. Let's go ahead and do our mock draft. So how this is going to work is Ethan and I are going to go back and forth, but picking between the first the first through fifth picks of this NFL draft. Ethan, do you want to get us started? You want to kick us off, or would you like me to go first? I can get us kicked off. All right, bet. So Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. First overall pick for the second straight year. Who do they go after? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you for a long time. Uh, for guy, those of you who've been looking at my past mock drafts, I've still been banging the drum on Aiden Hutchinson going first overall. But I think that, I mean, when you look at Trevon Walker, just the athleticism is there, the excitement is there. When you see him, he's like that mold of clay that you can turn into possibly a superstar. And truthfully, if you look at the Jags' uh, pass rush, really outside of um, Josh Allen, it's not there. So they definitely need to upgrade that position. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the second overall pick, which is held by the Detroit Lions. Now, this is where I see defensive end Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan going. One of the most infamous things I think I've ever heard a coach say was he wants his team to bite off other teams' kneecaps. He wants an aggressive team, and in that Aiden Hutchinson is still in the state. Aiden Hutchinson will fit perfectly with what the Lions are trying to do defensively, the team that Dan Campbell is trying to put together. I think that it just makes too much sense not to happen. Yeah, I'm also in agreement with Aiden Hutchinson. He's a native son of Michigan. He went to Michigan, so and he's the type of player that you can be your franchise around. So I definitely see him going number two. All right, third overall pick, the Houston Texans. They could really go just about anywhere, but what do you think it all ends up? Oh, I think they're going to go O-Tackle, Icky. I cannot pronounce his name. Iquanu. Iquanu. Um, I think they, they feel like they might have found their quarterback of the future in Davis Mills, so why not get his own, why not protect him and get him a good O-lineman? Yep, you and I are going three for three right now. I also have Ike Aquanu being the selection here. I mean, you mentioned it right on the head. I mean, it seems like Lovey Smith and Co. are really invested in Davis Mills and want to make sure that he has all the opportunities that they can give him to succeed. Not to mention Laramie Tunsil on that left tackle. And left tackle could possibly be on his way out soon. Ike Aquanu, for the time being, could play right tackle, maybe even move into guard, and then eventually be uh, Tunsil's successor. All right, fourth overall pick, the New York Jets in my mock. I have them taking cornerback Ahmad Sauce Gardner 
out of Cincinnati. I mean, looking at the wide receivers that the AFC East has, something that for years really wasn't that big of a deal. But, I mean, look at it now. You have to deal with Tyree Kill in Miami, Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. I even feel like Devontae Parker could probably do some things in New England. And the Jets, while they're cornerbacks that they have, I mean, they just signed DJ Reed, who's solid. Um, Michael Carter was all right. Bryce Hall was solid. They don't have a legitimate number one corner. You bring in a mod sauce guard, and I think you take care of that problem. Most def. All right, last one. Uh, number five, uh, we got the New York Giants, another team that can go in quite a few directions. What do you think happens here? Yep. Once again, you and I are five for five. I also have Evan Neal. I mean, as you mentioned, I'm not the biggest David um, Daniel Jones supporter. I honestly think that this will be the last year that he starts for the Giants. But because there's not that many other options right now at his position to replace him, you might as well help the offense out, get him some offensive line who can help protect him. Andrew Thomas kind of had a bounce back after a poor rookie season. You put Evan Neal on that right side, and I think you're really cooking with grease. For New York but yeah that is our top five mock draft I'm very excited to see how the rest of the draft unfolds and if you want to see the rest of my mock draft you can always head over to the xreport.net my final mock do it every year and you can always criticize me on how many picks I got wrong because let's be honest I probably got quite a few wrong but all right let's go ahead and move on to talk about some free agency buzz now we know that Earl Thomas in his heyday was one of the best, if not the best safeties in the league. Last played for Baltimore back in 2020, but since then he's been on the shelf. But it does not seem like he wants to be there much longer. A former seven-time Pro Bowl safety uh, who last played for Baltimore who and turns 33 in May said earlier this week that he wants to resume his NFL career this season. He said, I'm ready he texted to Adam Schefter, I'm in shape, my time is on point, and I'm proud of that. Now, as we all know, following his departure with Baltimore, some questions about his character came up, some issues happened with his wife. It, was, it wasn't a good look for Mr. Thomas, which I think plays a role in why he hasn't had a job in the past couple of years. So, Ethan, do you think that this is the time that Earl Thomas finally gets signed to a team, or our team's not going to take a flyer? signed by Baltimore but yeah I do think he ends up getting a job um I think that not unfortunately but when you're that talented teams are going to want to take a flyer on you and I think that Earl Thomas as I mentioned he's a future Hall of Famer one of the best safeties to step foot on the field and I think especially if he can show and prove to teams that he's healthy that he's ready to go that all that drama is in the past I think that he can continue Come back into the league and be a really pivotal piece. So we're both kind of in agreement of him coming back. Where do you think he would end up signing? Because honestly, I could see the Kansas City Chiefs doing it. You just lost Tyron Matthew, who was a pivotal part of your defense, played a big role in setting the tone, energy, intelligence. I think bringing in a veteran like Earl Thomas is a going to help out the young guns that you have in your secondary, and b provide a much needed um, talent boost if he is back his normal self. I could see the. Uh... Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's another great fit, especially if they don't make the decision to bring in a um a safety early in this year's draft, which if you look at my mock draft, you'll see what I think they do. Uh, all right, let's talk about another uh, NFL veteran, Deshaun Jackson, who in a recent interview talked about how he was contemplating retirement, but said if he were to play, it would be for a right team with the great quarterbacks. The, he mentioned specifically these three teams, the Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs, and Cleveland Browns. Ethan, if you're one of these three teams, are you pulling the trigger on Deshaun Jackson, or is it a no for you? Uh, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I might pull the trigger. You'd probably be getting Deshaun Jackson for a low price. And with the um, departure of Tyreek Hill, we all know how the Chiefs love a, a deep threat and a speedy receiver. And granted, he might not have the same level of production as, say, a Tyreek Hill. Now, I've had a recent conversation with this with a friend of mine who is a Browns fan. And I was telling him, like, unless he's coming in for the veterans minimum, I don't think I would do it. I mean, the NFL draft is coming up, and this is a pretty depth-filled draft. You could get a wide receiver who is faster and younger and probably cheaper, depending on how much Deshaun is trying to sign for. No disrespect to Deshaun Jackson, but something else you have to recognize is he did – uh, mentioned that he's contemplating retirement. And when he wasn't getting the touches that he wanted, he did request a trade or request a release out from the Los Angeles Rams, who we all know ended up winning the Super Bowl. And so I think a question I'd have for myself is, if I'm a front office, do I want to bring in a guy who, as we know, is a bit older? Two, he left the team just because he felt like he wasn't getting the right touches. And then three, already contemplating retirement. Is that something that I would really want to deal with? And personally, I think I would have to say no. All right, last piece before we play Believable or Buffoonery. The Packers seem to have been trying to bring in a pass pass catcher, but not exactly a wide receiver. Apparently, they had been speaking with the Raiders, trying to pull off a trade for tight end Darren Waller, um, and they had a lot of hopes of acquiring him before the NFL draft. However, it seems like it is not going to happen. But let's say in some fascinating world that – Darren Waller was a Packer. What kind of impact do you think he would have in Green, Pe- Green Bay? Would it be as much, if not more, than Devontae Adams, or would it be a step down? I think it would be a step down simply because he played tight end. Granted, you did today, and then Barry, you can move tight end all around the field. But I don't think that you would get the same level of elite production from a tight end as you would at an elite level wide receiver. But I still think that he would be a dynamic playmaker for the Packers if he were to get traded there. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think that Darren Waller would definitely be at least a thousand yard receiver I think he would lead the team but I think it would still kind of just come down to as you mentioned at wide out I just oh I think and plus I think Devontae Adams is a better overall player his ability to get open and his route running is one of the best if not the best in the league whereas with Darren Waller he is very dynamic but mind you he is coming off an injury field season last year a bit of a disappointment and I think that just playing in those different elements in terms of weather and not having to build up that chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it would lead to the same production, but I think it still be a really solid outing. All right, let's go ahead and play our NFL draft edition version of Believable or Buffoonery. Let's talk about a division rival for the Packers in the Detroit Lions, who talked about the possibility of the Detroit Lions taking a quarterback. He said, I trust those guys. They've expressed a lot of confidence in me and feel good about where I'm at and where I'm at with them and where we're headed. I'm excited about it. But if anything were to happen with drafting a quarterback, no, no concern. Now, for those of you who are unaware, the Detroit Lions hold the second overall pick and the 32nd overall pick, giving them plenty of ammunition to take a quarterback early if they so desire. So, believable or buffoonery, Jared Goff will still be the Lions starter in 2022 if the Lions decided to draft a quarterback in the first round? I'm going to say believable to you because this isn't a great um, draft for a quarterback. I think any of the quarterbacks that take it, you're going to have to have them kind of on a project-level basis and kind of develop them before they actually get the field. So I can see him still being the starter. It may be up to like the halfway point of the season or a little bit after that. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think that, as you mentioned, there's really 
no quarterback that in this class that if I had to start them week one, I would be very excited about it. I would think that a few, quite a few of them need some time to sit back and learn and get polished a bit. Um, and so with that being said, I would start Jared Goff this year. So yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I'm saying believable as well. Talking about another quarterback who was uncertainty is there. Um, Carson Wentz, who the Washington Commanders recently traded for. Um, however, it does not mean that they see him as their long-term option. Um, according to Nikki Javala, uh, the Washington Commanders coaches view Carson Wentz as more than just a bench, more of a bridge quarterback or experimental quarterback rather than a long-term solution. So, believable or buffoonery. The Commanders will draft the quarterback early despite Carson Wentz already being in the building. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think I'm going to say buffoonery. I feel like the commanders have too many other needs that they could hit early. For example, wide receiver. This is a great – and with the 11th overall pick, they're bound to get one there. Um, safety's another position. Cornerback, they could provide more of another linebacker, offensive lineman. They have a lot of areas that they could go with this draft, so I don't feel like – especially with the – we keep talking about it, but the class of quarterback this year – I don't think it's worth sacrificing an early pick for one as opposed to against another star in the making at a different position. All right, speaking of stars in the making, we got to look at the Bayou, more specifically cornerback Derek Stingley, who dealt with injuries over the past couple of years, kept him out of all but three games in 2021. However, there is a lot of love for Sting after his elusive pro day and showing that he can still be a tremendous player. Um, so much so that Matt Miller of ESPN said, there is buzz about Derek Stingley Jr. being a top three picks with the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans. Since teams with keeping an eye on them. So, believable or buffoonery, Derek Stingley will be a top three pick in this year's draft. I'm in agreement with you. I'm going to say buffoonery as much as I would love to see Sting be the first cornerback off the board, you know, go Tigers. But realistically, I mean, I think that, as you mentioned, I think there are some questions about Derek Stingley that you may not want to use a top three pick on. I think that in terms of talent, he's top five most talented players in this draft. However, you just got to make sure that the health is there. You got to make sure that the motor is there. And because of that, I think that that will be something that make, keeps him as a top 10 pick, but I think it keeps him out of the top three. All right, last question. Another team that holds multiple picks, the Philadelphia Eagles, hold, I believe, the 15th and 18th selections in this year's draft. However, there is a lot of talk that they could be trying to move up, more specifically moving up for a wide receiver. One of those receivers in play is Jamison Williams out of Alabama, who apparently the Eagles told they would love to see him paired up alongside Devontae uh, Smith, former Roll Tide teammate. So, believable or buffoonery, the Eagles with their extended draft capital will trade up to the top 10 to take a wide receiver. I'm going to say buffoonery, but for a bit different version. I do feel, still feel like wide receiver is a huge need for them. I think that between corner and wide out, I mean, you can flip a coin. Um, but also, as you mentioned, this is a really deep wide receiver class. And so because of that, I think that you can still get a quality guy at 15, even if it's not Jamison Williams, which I don't think it will be. I think you'll still have the chance to get somebody who can come in and make an impact and possibly your number one for you. So, yeah, I'm saying buffoonery as well. All right, that was a great 
time talking about the NFL draft. As you all know, it's tonight. I'm very excited. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, who has had a, quite a lot of excitement itself. Ethan, out of this past week of action, what are your top three takeaways? Top three takeaways are, um, it's, it's scary hours in Golden State. They're looking like they're back to the top of their form. You have Clay looking like he's back to being the um, elite double player that he was before he got injured. Obviously, Stealth is regained form. And then now you have this ultimate wild card, which is Jordan Poole, who is playing with the exuberance of confidence. So it's looking real scary. I'm also kind of scared because if my Griffiths beat the Wolves, that's who we're going to have to face in the next round. Um, also, number two, I guess I would say, is that the, um, the um, um, Milwaukee Bucks. I think that they're going to be in for a really tough matchup against the Celtics. Hopefully, if they're able to get Chris Middleton, it'll um it'll help them it'll help those guys out tremendously. But without Middleton and the type of team that the um, Celtics are, a high defensive team, and you're basically saying like, hey, we can focus all our defensive attention on Giannis. I think this has the potential to be in a seven game series. And number, I guess you could say number one is um. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets. That was a that was a tough series. They won out fighting in a sense. Kevin Durant definitely put all his um bullets in the chamber for the last game and they came up short and I think they're gonna be in for a very interesting offseason. Yeah, I feel you on that. All right, let's talk our Mamba players of the week out of the Eastern Conference. I said his name last week. I'm saying it again. Jason Tatum. I mean, this was just I really wanted to say the whole Celtics team just because their tremendous defensive effort against the Nets this was a series that was supposed to go in a different direction Kyrie and KD were just supposed to be killing them offensively as you mentioned this past game KD had a terrific outing but other than that I mean Jason Tatum and Cole have really just been doing a terrific job we always think of Kobe Bryant as such a skillful offensive player but he played hella uh, terrific defense as well and I think that that has to be something they've not admired and Jason Tatum played great defense as well as great offense this series so I'm giving it to Tatum uh, for me I'm giving it to my uh, actually my new favorite player in the NBA I'm giving it to Giannis Antetokounmpo dang yeah. wow yeah. Uh, I'm in the closeout close game he had 33 points 9 rebounds and 3 assists and he only missed 4 shots and he he stepped up big time when they needed it when in the place of Chris Middleton's injury, a lot of people questioned that the Bucs are still going to be able to pull it out in some sense. But he stepped up big, and I think that's what moments do. They step up big in big moments. That is a definitely another... Uh... That's definitely another definition of a Mamba. Speaking of stepping up in the big moments, my Western Mamba of the week is a guy who I think might be feeling some type of way about not being your favorite player, John Morant of the Grizzlies. I mean, if you watch, like I said, you watch game five, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Terrific back and forth game, especially in that fourth quarter. But whenever you want to win, whenever you need a big play, what do you do? You call 12, and John Morant gave them precisely that with that game-winning bucket. Just, it's hard not to go with Ja right now. So, to give you context, Ja was never actually my favorite player. He was my favorite player. He's my favorite Grizzly right now, but he was never my favorite player. Yeah, that was Joel and B, right? Can't, couldn't agree with you more. All right, so let's go ahead and look at the current playoff picture. As we know, 
Um, the Miami Heat defeated the Atlanta Hawks in five games, so they are patiently waiting their next opponent, which will be the winner of the series between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors. As of right now, the 76ers lead the series 3-2. to two. However, there's no real guarantee that they're going to be able to pull it off, and Ever always outspoken, Joel Embiid talked about his team's lack of intensity, more specifically from James Harden, and said he just needs to be aggressive. He needs to be himself. That's not really my job. That's probably on the coach to talk to him. I'm sure that's probably ruffled some feathers in that locker room, but, I mean, you factor in Joel Embiid's thumb injury, which teams are trying to exploit. James Harden not really stepping up. How much trouble do you feel like the 76ers are right now to blow this series? I think that, I wouldn't say a lot of trouble, but I think it's a decent-sized amount of trouble because the, this Raptors team, yes, they just lost Fred Lindsley to injury, but they're a team that's like, they they have a lot of long and big athletes, so it can kind of match up well with the 76ers' side. And they're also like, no one really was expecting them, expecting them to be there. So they have this whole notion of like they're playing without money and they could potentially um take um what's the best word? Let's say they could potentially um take over an injured opponent. I guess the best way with Joel B not being a hundred percent and James Harden not being the James Harden that we're used to seeing, I think it's due to some older age. Um, lack of conditioning issues, but I think that they kind of they're in a, a rough spot, and it's only going to get worse with each round they advance to in the playoffs. Yeah, so kind of comparing, you know, the Raptors to Edge with the nickname the Ultimate Opportunist because they are making the most of their opportunities. Because I feel like if you get a healthy. Uh, even if you get a healthy Embiid, I don't think this goes to six games. I think that if he was 100%, this series probably would have already been over. But, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, I feel like the Raptors can continue to be competitive. But in terms of winning the series, I don't think so. I think their problems are really going to come in the next series because I don't feel like, especially if this is the James Harden they're going to keep getting, who has been a bit of a letdown. I don't think they're going to get past the heat. So I think the bigger problems are going to come next round as opposed to this round. Uh, talking about next round, though, you mentioned it a bit in your takeaways, but the Milwaukee Bucks, after defeating the Bulls in five and the Celtics after sweeping the Nets, will be meeting in the second round, which will be very interesting, especially you mentioned it a little bit earlier. But Chris Middleton has actually been ruled out of that series dealing with the grade two MCL sprain. So taking that into account... How are you feeling about this series? How, where, where are we going in terms of predictions? I think I might say Celtics in six or seven because yes, they don't have Chris Middleton, but Giannis has proven that he can be a guy that can step up big in big moments, and they still have Drew Holiday, and they have a nice, um, a nice balanced team. So I think it'll end up being like a longer series, and I think the Celtics will pull it out. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I'm going to say Celtics in the seven as well. Not, I mean, you and I have seen Giannis just absolutely take over. Giannis is a bad, bad man. But I feel like it's hard, especially with how good of a defensive team that the Celtics are, it's hard doing it without your second best scoring option. Chris Middleton is that. Drew Holiday is a guy who he can put up points. But more specific, he's more so known for his defensive prowess as opposed to being an elite uh, score and I mean I say Chris Middleton is one but he definitely provides more offensively and I think you take that away and that's going to make things really really hard um for the self I mean for the Bucks so I'm in agreement with you I got Celtics in seven all right we do got to talk about the Nets so yes they're sweep yes they're headed headed to Cancun and of course people are talking about them like some dogs of course one of those people being Charles Barkley who always as we know has something to say um, he took a shot at KD this past Sunday and said, if you ain't driving the bus, don't walk around telling me you a champion. All these guys walking around with these championship rings, y'all bus riders. Um, and he also added, he's sensitive Cindy. He put a picture of me and three old guys on there because KD responded by putting him pictures of him and his old teammates, um, with the Sixers and the Rockets, um, 
in another tweet, because, you know, Kevin Durant likes to tweet. He said, an army of producers, speaking of inside the NBA, against the God, just another Tuesday. TNT, NBA on TNT, of course, responded. Fans weren't necessarily the happiest with KD calling himself a God after his performance in this series, but said, I don't get why guys are mad at me at what I call myself. It's about good affirmations, right? Be happy for me. Of course, it's just been a lot of back and forth, but in your opinion, how much is KD to blame for this sweep? Is Charles Barkley right to put so much criticism on himself? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I mean, we like I said, I mean, we can talk about how good the Celtics defense is, but I mean, we've seen great players overcome great defenses. And KD just did not do that. He dropped 39 game 4, but I mean, it was all for naught. And in truth, I mean, you would just expect more. Like, as you mentioned, like, throughout this whole playoff series, he was a bit of a letdown. And you can't just show up in one game and think that that's just supposed to clear everything up because that's not the case. I mean, we look at this team as one that had NBA Finals aspirations. Hell, last year, they were – if KD wore a smaller shoe, they would be in the Finals. But to get swept in the first round, I think that because KD is, quote-unquote, the face of that team, he's going to catch a lot of the flack for it. And I'll admit, I think that he's deserving of it. All right, let's move on to the Western Conference. Uh, the Phoenix Suns bounced back last night to take a 3-2 lead. Was that last night? No, that was two nights ago. To take a 3-2 lead over the New Orleans Pelicans. And they got some good news. Um, Devin Booker could return for game six or seven versus the New Orleans Pelicans. So, let's say, do you think that they're going to have to take it to six or seven games? Do you think that they need Devin Booker to win this series or they can do just fine without him? Yeah, I hear you on that. I think that they are, and I think it makes it fun to watch because nobody really wants to see a sort of sweep. They want to see it be more competitive, and the Pelicans have definitely been more competitive than I think a lot of people really gave them credit for. Brandon Ingram has been stepping up. CJ McCollum looks like a great fit down there, and it's just been a great thing to watch. However, I do still think that the Suns are able to pull it out. I just think it really just depends on the performance of Chris Paul. If Chris Paul can put on his A game, I think that they can take down the um the Pelicans. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the um Dallas Mavericks taking on the Utah Jazz, currently leading the series three to two. Game six is tonight. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't have that much faith in the Jazz. I think that the I think the Mavericks close it out tonight. Yeah, I think it's I think they're going to blow it up. Now, let's say they do decide to blow it up. In your opinion, would the Utah Jazz be the least desirable free agent destination in the NBA? Because for me, I would say yes without a doubt. At least Indiana, you can go to a Colts game, you close to Chicago, you could do other stuff, but Utah is just I, I, for me, it's a no. It's a hard. I, I, I couldn't do Utah. So I hope for their sake they keep at least a couple people, you know, kind of reputable. I feel like 
Donovan Mitchell and Rudy are going to end up getting moved just because they're trying to do a rebuild with one without the other. I don't think that makes too much sense. So it might mess around and be Jordan Clarkson's team a year from now. Who knows? All right, let's go ahead and move on. The Golden State Warriors close out the uh, Denver Nuggets last night, um, winning the series in five games, whereas the Memphis Grizzlies lead the Minnesota Timberwolves 3-2. to two. They play on Friday. Now, Ethan, I know this is your favorite team, but no bias. What team do you feel like matches up better with the Warriors, the Grizzlies or Minnesota? The Grizzlies? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think so as well. I feel like – and something else, I mean, kind of not necessarily knocking the Timberwolves, but, you know, take it how you want. I mean, one of the biggest issues with the Timberwolves is they get leads, but they don't know how to hold on to them. They're not a team that's accustomed to winning. They're not a team that's accustomed to playing with the lead. However, the Warriors are a team that they don't often get down. And if they do, they know how to – erase a deficit very easily I feel like against the Timberwolves they're not even going to put themselves in a situation like the Grizzlies I just feel like that just kind of comes with you know just trying to get not to say I, I would say that the Grizzlies have a lot of team chemistry but once again they're a team that's not used to be leading yes they won 52 games this year but that was an outlier as to the past so they're used to kind of being that grit and grind having to be feisty having to come back Whereas the Warriors, they're used to being on top. And I feel like against Minnesota, they're going to be on top a lot. And I don't think it's going to make for a very good series. Yeah, you got Cat, but you don't know which Cat you're really going to get. I feel like they can easily outscore um, Ant and D'Lo. So because of that, yeah, no, I'm in agreement with you looking at the Grizzlies. Uh, speaking of, you know, the Warriors, one of their most outspoken players is Draymond Green, who during the time, during this Nuggets series said, everybody's not made for the playoffs. You look around and some guys that you think are guys are not guys in the playoffs. So he didn't say any names, but I think that it's apparent that throughout this playoffs series and so what we've seen from the first round that there are some guys who were great in the regular season or are great in general but once they got to the playoffs they just did not have that same spark so what we are going to do is based off what we have seen from the first round is the playoffs this year give three guys who we would put in that category so Ethan do you want to go first you want me to go first alternate how do you want to do this all right so Oh, number one, James Harden. However, I know that, you know, we're talking about this playoff series specifically, but just in general, when it comes to the playoffs, James Harden has been a bit of a letdown. Like you mentioned, maybe it's because he's older. Maybe he's still trying to get accustomed to Philly. Whatever the case may be, James Harden just in the playoffs has not been that guy. Two, DeMar DeRozan. I love me some DeMar DeRozan, but a 141-point performance doesn't cover up the fact that poor shooting was plagued him throughout the series. He just looked overmatched and looked like a completely different player than what we saw in the regular season. And then finally, Trey Young. I know that you could talk about him potentially being injured, but, I mean, he even mentioned it. He was like, this is the most defensive pressure I've faced since I was in high school. The Heat played him tough, which made it hard for him to be as explosive as he usually is. So those are three guys who this year did not look playoff off ready you know what's crazy? we got the same three, exact same three. yeah it's, it's it was a few other ones i could possibly put but yeah those three are yeah it's not it's not it 
But let's give some praise to some guys who are doing it right. Starting off with Scotty Barnes, who was announced as the winner of Rookie of the Year. Though you and I both said we would have picked Evan Mobley. I'm not too mad about Scotty Barnes. I mean, he had a really good year. His team made the playoffs, so shout out to him. And John Morant was named the winner of the most improved player, becoming the first player in NBA history to be named Rookie of the Year and MIP. However, he gave his award to Desmond Bain, um, tweeting out, I left your award in your kitchen, gang. You deserve it, killer. And I think we can agree that Desmond Bain deserved it more than John Morant. All right, so let's go ahead and move on and play a game of believable or buffoonery. One of those guys who we kind of talked about a bit ago, talking about the Pelicans, was C.J. McCollum, who has seemed to hit his stride in the Big Easy. In a recent uh, conversation about his relationship with the team, he said, I'm not going nowhere. I'm here. Where am I going to go? Leave for what? I want to retire here. When you have something good, you hold on to it. So... <laughs> And this and this brought up a, just an interesting question in my mind: believable or buffoonery? C.J. McCollum will last longer on the Pelicans than Zion Williamson. I'm gonna say I'm gonna edge on the side of believable just because I feel like I think there is definitely some frustration with him being I'm sure I think he wants to play I think the team is still being really cautious with him which is everybody was trying to get on Alvin Gentry for his decision to do but I think that realistically I mean I'm sure he looks like he can play it he looks like he at least can go even if not crazy minutes but maybe like 20 25 minutes and I think that because the team continues to hold him back or it's this injury or that injury I think that that can be really frustrating for a young player who may feel like his time and career is being wasted because I mean we still talk about Zion now but if we're having another situation where he he's hardly on the court nobody's gonna care about Zion anymore so you got to strike while the iron is hot so I think he could end up being moved all right let's go ahead and talk about Shaquille O'Neal Hall of Famer, one of the best players to ever step foot on the court. And he may return to the court if the Lakers offer him a hefty deal. He said, if they offered me $25 million a year for four years, I'd coach the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers are not going to do that. But it does pose an interesting question of believable or buffoonery. Shaquille O'Neal will be an NBA coach one day. I'm saying buffoonery. I can't see it. I, I, I see a hard no on that. All right, continuing on the coaching streak, though, uh, the Charlotte Hornets announced that they dis dismissed their head coach, James Borrego, which was kind of considered to be a surprising move. The Hornets have improved by 10 wins in each of the past three seasons, um, including reaching the play-in tournament this past year. However, the team still has some solid uh, building pieces, uh, such as Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball, and they look like they're going in a positive direction. Now, just a few weeks ago after the Lakers, you know, dismissed Frank Vogel, we talked about how good of a job that is in terms of if you're a head coach candidate. So, believable or buffoonery, the Hornets head coach opening is more appealing than the Lakers. Yeah, I would I would say believable as well. Not to mention, I mean, you're playing in what over well, would I still say the East is an easier division? 
Well, either way, you're playing with a lot less pressure. I mean, you and I talked about when you are coaching LeBron James, the expectation is deep playoff run slash finals or bust. And if you don't get that within a couple of years or, God forbid, you don't make the playoffs, you are out of there. I feel like in Charlotte, it's a lot more job security. It's a lot more patience with the team, especially because they are so young. And they have a lot of good things going for them. So because of that, I think that, as you mentioned, you can kind of mold the team in your image. So I'm in agreement with you. All right, let's go ahead and talk Ben Simmons, who is just – it's crazy because he's getting ragged on more than any other player for the Nets, and that brother didn't even play this year. I mean, Kendrick Perkins on first take described him as, Ben Simmons is that pretty girl that is single, and everybody is wondering why she's single. It's because she smokes cigarettes. Big reason is because a lot of people thought he would be able to suit up for game four, helping out his team – um, in a possible elimination, but it did not happen that way. Why? Well, apparently Ben Simmons has told the Nets leadership that a mental block for him is playing to mental block for him to play is creating stress, which is a possible trigger point for his back issues. Don't know the validity of that. Don't know how true it is, but all we know is Ben Simmons is catching hell for not being on the court. So believable or buffoonery, Ben Simmons has lowered his stock to a point that is past the point of return. in the middle I feel like with Ben Simmons it's like you and I talk about it a lot I know I say it a lot but the best ability is availability this brother has not been available for over a year and even when he was on the court the lasting memory of him was that playoff run where he was not taking shots where he was not helping put his team in positions to win and if he would have played this year, even if they would have lost game four, but he would have had a solid game, I think that he would have got like, you know what, well, at least he came out there, at least he played. But the fact that he did nothing, didn't play at all, I think that that's really going to hurt him. And as you mentioned, I feel like if next year he can come back and play well, I think that it will kind of help him out a bit. But overall, I think the conversation is still going to be Ben Simmons isn't that guy. Ben Simmons is weak. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to call him pathetic, like Stephen A. Smith did, because I think that's going a bit below the belt. But I still think that I still think that I don't. He'll never reach the levels of hype that he had, let's say, two years ago, two three years ago. I don't think he'll ever reach that again. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Continuing on with the Nets, we got to talk about his teammate Kyrie Irving, who has also been catching the Blues too. He mentioned earlier this year that he doesn't really plan on going anywhere and would like to re-sign with the Nets, a familiar song we heard back in his time with Boston. However, he added to it, when I say I'm here with Kev, I think that really entails us managing this franchise together alongside Joe Tsai and Sean Marks, the G- team GM and governor. However, Stephen A. Smith wasn't too big of a fan of that notion and said, I would never give him a long-term contract again. He cannot be trusted. He is one of the absolute professionals at missing work. So, believable or buffoonery, the Nets should not sign Kyrie Irving to a long-term deal. Mm. I'm somewhere in the middle of this. A mm-hmm. part of me wants to say no because I kind of do agree with Stephen A. Smith. But a part of me is also like, in order for the Nets to reach the potential that they need, that they could reach, they're going to need someone like Kyrie, if not Kyrie himself. Yeah. So I'm going to say yes because if you have championship aspirations, you're going to. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say buffoonery with regards to them not re-signing him. Because I mean, how often we forget that there were times when Kyrie looked like the man. 
Like, when he first was able to play home games again, he looked like arguably the best player on the team. Yes, this playoff run was not the best thing we've ever seen, but it wasn't a good showing for anybody in Brooklyn. And I think that... I think that their issues also go beyond Kyrie. I'm not just going to sit here and be, blame everything on him because it's not all his fault. I mean, the lack of depth was a problem. I mean, defensively, they really didn't have anybody else outside of Kyrie and KD who are really there to step up. And so because of that, I mean, that just kind of goes to show some of the issues that you and I have been talking about just with their overall makeup as a team. So I'm going to say uh, buffoonery. I think Kyrie deserves a long-term deal because truthfully, I think – after KD probably plays for a couple more years, he's probably going to retire. And I think the same for Kyrie. All right, speaking of players potentially thinking retirement, LeBron James is not one, or at least not for the time being. He's been tweeting quite a bit during the playoffs, and one of his most uh, well-known tweets is, I can slash will not, in all caps, miss the postseason again for my career. This shit hurt. Okay, back to watching these games. We don't know how much LeBron we are going to get, but believable or buffoonery. So while LeBron is playing, he will not miss the playoffs again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm saying buffoonery as well. One, because like I mentioned, we don't know how much longer he's going to play. We don't know how the Lakers are going to look next year. Hell, we don't even know if he's legitimately going to try to play with his son when uh, Bronny comes into the league. So because of that, I'm going to say buffoonery. I think it's too many unknowns for him to say that. Like, if he would said this, like, after he lost, didn't make the playoffs a couple years ago, his first year with the Lakers, I'm like, okay, cool. I think I would trust it more, but right now, what, he's 37, 38. I'm not putting that much on his shoulders. I don't think it's fair to. But, all right, let's go ahead and run through these game picks. We already um we already both said that we think that the Mavericks pull it out tonight. But what about Philadelphia 76ers versus Raptors? I'm, believe it or not, I think the Raptors win. I think they go to game seven. All right, Phoenix Suns versus the New Orleans Pelicans. Probably going to be without Devin Booker, but I think that the Suns can end this series tonight. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the Xreport.net. I repeat the Xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow Xport writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast, our YouTube channel entitled The Xreport. Um, Ethan, anything you want to say before we close out this bad boy? I would. I don't want y'all to get Nicobe Dean because I want Nicobe Dean, but that'd be a terrific addition. Um, I mean, we got PQ. Patrick Queen is great, but I mean, don't you want to see PQ and Nicobe Dean right next to each other just, just doing? I do. Nah, 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 get offensive linemen. I think y'all are going to go O-line. Um, I feel like we are, but, you know. We can dream. But, yeah, um, final mock draft, you can head on over to the .net, Um, Check it all out. Like I said, make picks. There's trades there, some surprising trades. Bold prediction, I think Debo Samuel gets traded to the Jets. I, I firmly believe it's going to happen. Like, within the next few hours, I'm, I'm expecting to get that notification just because I don't think that if they're going to trade Debo, they have to do it now. Why you can get a draft pick, why you can get somebody, because truthfully, I don't. Debo seems too adamant about not wanting to be in San Francisco. So um, that's my bold prediction for tonight. I don't know. I, I, and I, plus, I kind of hope it does happen. But that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.